Ready? Born ready. of your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At. I'm your host, Saba Long. It's been a minute. So much has happened. There's way too much news to, like, stay ahead of. Every single day, every single week, there's no such thing as, like, a a slow news day in Georgia or in Atlanta. There's always something happening. Well, you know the Georgia General Assembly is in session. We're getting closer to crossover day, which is that halfway mark, which means that a bill must have fully passed one chamber, and then it passes over to the next chamber. So that's the deadline uh, coming up, a crossover day. So I'm going to highlight an interesting bill that just uh, was voted on last week. It passed out of committee, Senate Bill 221 would end automatic voter registration in Georgia. Guess who implemented automatic voter registration in Georgia? None other than Brian Kemp, now the governor, but when he was secretary of state, he implemented automatic voter registration. So what's going to happen here? An attorney for the current secretary of state, that's Brad Raffensperger, said this. The automated process we have right now from Georgia Driver Service is the best voter list, uh, the best voter list maintenance tool we have to make sure our voter rolls are accurate and up to date. It is also the best way to do citizenship verification. So the the bill passed out of committee. It goes to the full Senate. If it makes it to the governor's desk, there's going to be a big question of if the governor signs it because the governor when he was Secretary of State, was for automatic voter registration. This is one of those things where it's like, why, why, why? What are are you doing? Yeah, I saw that. I also saw another bill that that passed that talked about the AI. um, Yeah. The use of AI. Deep fakes. Yeah, deep fakes. Yeah, there's there's some legislation about deep fakes, and I think, I don't remember what the penalty is, we actually wrote years, about it, but yeah, like yeah I'm five gonna, years in prison and yeah, I'm going to pull up the story because we actually one of our reporters wrote about this, and I was like, oh, well, when I saw it. I thought about we talked about how yeah. many bills are just being passed that you don't know that when I heard it and I heard the terms, I said, well, how it sounds like it would have been good, but then how can you determine? If it's political or not. Yeah, like, if it's some like of nefarious. It could be, yeah. yeah, some of it could be satire. It could be. Yeah, it could be. You know, but yeah. then if you want to, you could, you know, hit right. me with something. I don't know. I, I just don't like new laws. <laughs> you know, like for some reason, new laws <laughs> well, always scare me, you know. Yeah, that's Senate Bill 392. There you go. So it would make it. This is uh, this is wild. I didn't realize this. It makes it a felony mm-hmm. That's to create a deep fake image, video, or audio recording with the at- intent of influencing an election. But what if you have a deep fake of, I don't know, someone pretending to be a stripper saying, go vote? And that's that, what I'm saying. Like, 
affecting your election seems so wide to right. me. It's like, I don't, and it's a felony. So it's like, yeah. I don't. Yeah, one to five years in prison and a fine of up to $50,000. And with, and there's no like technology division in the state. Yeah, so who determines? I don't even, yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Do y'all even know what AI is? Because <laughs> federally, they didn't even know what social media was. They right. needed a whole yeah. committee just to explain how do you make money from ads? Right. So yeah. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't like old people speaking on new technology. <laughs> well, that's you know? that's most of the legislator. <laughs> well, when I say old people, I mean older people who were like in the old technology. Yeah, no, that's, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the House and Senate federally. And yeah. that's a lot of the legislator at the statewide level. Yeah, it looks like uh, the law professor who runs the First Amendment clinic said that it's a, a First Amendment concern. Yeah, so that's I what it sounds like. Yeah, we'll see, maybe, I'm sure someone's going to sue because that that does sound crazy. That sounds an unnecessarily harsh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are just a couple of the bills <laughs> that are in the session. Um, this is kind of old news, but I want to mention it because, you know, I'd, I had written this out on a weekend that we did not record, um, but it is it's worth talking about. And I don't know what ended up happening uh, with this, but a few weeks ago, inmates in the Georgia prison system, a group of inmates, wrote an open letter to Governor Brian Kemp, and it was published in the AJC. And they asked the governor to address corruption, among other issues, in the Georgia prison system. And they compared Kemp to being the captain of a naval ship, so in the military the captain of the ship, the buck stops with the captain no matter what. It doesn't matter if you didn't know about it. If you're the captain, the buck stops with you. And one of the things that they highlighted um, as a way to address corruption is to legalize the sale. They gave a, a number of um, recommendations, and one of them is to legalize the sale of tobacco in prisons and restrict soap smokers in the same way that businesses do. And so they write, the question should be, which is in the greater interest of the state, pretending inmates are going to quit smoking or having one less issue to undermine the integrity of the staff? That's an interesting proposition. Yeah, but let's keep it real. It's not the tobacco. Well, that's you know, but yeah. I do understand what they're saying. One of yeah, if they if tobacco is legal and it's one of those legal things you could allow in the, in the jail, anything that has value can be used to undermine right. jail politics. Right. So yeah, I think so that then, would help. I, I'm assuming tobacco is not legal in any prison. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, well, you know what? I don't know. I'm about to, okay. to check, but so I'm, I'm assuming. Because, I'm assuming that though. Yeah. So then I would think, okay. What if, and I, this is not going to happen anytime soon, but what if Georgia is a state where marijuana is legal? Mm. So, like, where would you draw the line on tobacco is legal, but we isn't? Oh, well, it looks like tobacco used to be in the jails. It was banned in 2010. Okay. Uh, state prisons. Yeah, state, state prisons. prisons. Yeah. So, but back in the 90s, they it was there. So I'll be... So you just had to pay. Yeah, I would just bring it back then. Yeah. Especially if you see increase on violence and crime and yeah. all that, just bring it back. You had it before. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that that was one of 10 solutions that they said the Georgia Department of Corrections should consider um, as they think through how do you address safety, how do you address staff issues, and how do you address gangs? Uh, so if you think about, I mean, the gang doesn't stop once you get locked up, right? It's It's how do I keep gang A away from rival gang A away from rival gang B? And that's not just a problem in the prisons. It's also a problem in your county jails and your city jails. It's, it's, it's talking like about prisons is almost like talking about health sometimes because yeah. it's like, well, then how many preemptive measures do you want to make before it gets that bad? That's right. Because some of the stuff is simple. Like if the jail has gangs, well, we all at least need enough housing. Right. <laughs> you know, if you have four people in one cell where it used to be two, you're automatically causing right issues, more, you yeah. Know? And if if there's enough space for everybody, then that means there's enough space for the gangs to be over there and to be over there. Run it like politics, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, even in schools, like you go to different schools, there's different politics. Hey, that group yeah. doesn't like that group. You right, know, right. Is there a way to mediate the emo this? kids? You know, what and I'm the saying? jock kids. And every now and then, we all have to come together, and maybe right. you can do things like you know. They they have such situations where like comedians or performers will go to the jails and maybe that yeah. kind of stuff calms people down. Like there's yeah, I feel yeah. like there's a lot of things to do uh in there correction are. facilities. And there's a lot to prevent them from getting in the system in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that we need to do around that. Yeah. But I like that idea about the tobacco. Like, yeah, bring some yeah. of that back because yeah, people <laughs> Yeah, it's a serious thing. It's a yeah. serious thing. So the head of the Georgia Department of Corrections, by the way, is a black guy named Tyrone Oliver, um, he wrote a response in the AJC, and he talked a lot in the response about how they are improving uh, retention and they're hiring more correction officers. And then he he mentions about how much uh, contraband that they have confiscated from inmates. Um, and one stat said 12.53 kilos of tobacco, which I asked Chat GPT how much is that, because I don't know how much that is. And according to ChatGPT, that's about 25,000 cigarettes. In one year? In one year, in one prison. That's a lot, but it's not really a lot, though. It's probably not, yeah. It sounds like a lot, but it's probably not a lot in the grand scheme of things. Especially for smokers. Right. Yeah. Um, And then I want to quote something that he wrote here. He said, while progress has been made, We are consciously aware that the journey is not yet completed. However, I cannot stand by and watch the brave men and women of this department who do the work few could ever do or talk about be disparaged in the headlines and accused of sitting on their hands. They they always don't stand up for each other. Yeah. So, you know, I, I just think it's fascinating that a group of inmates got together, wrote a letter. I'm sure they worked with some outside organization. And so you could say like, oh, this is all political, but these are folks who are blowing the whistle and saying that the system is not working. Um, I like that though. So yeah, I think that's good. I I can appreciate that. So I want to maybe move on to some national news that's kind of interesting. I'm sorry. What's that? They found out uh, one third of jails do... uh, do, uh, do allow for tobacco. But they mix it in between like tobacco on different levels and just tobacco in general. Because some jails, they say ban tobacco from both the inmates and the, the workers. Some yeah. of them just ban it for just the inmates and not the staff. 
And as soon as you do that, you know, staff yeah. can go ahead and get it in. Right. So, listen, if staff is getting pregnant <laughs> by inmates, they're going to give you a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> Does this keep I know. It I'm like, what is happening and why? Why? That's a different podcast. It's that hard out on these streets. <laughs> That's a different podcast. Come on. <laughs> Lord. All right. <laughs> Moving on to something about religion, <laughs> um, this has not been talked about a lot, or I feel like maybe it's being talked about behind closed doors, but not in public much. But more than 1,000 black clergy across the country have called for President Biden to push Israel to agree to a ceasefire. And why I'm bringing this up is that more than 200 of these folks our black pastors right here in Georgia in leading the charge are prominent Atlanta pastors, including Pastor Jamal Bryant, who's at New Birth. He was one of the first to come out and call for a ceasefire, separate from the larger group. Reverend Cynthia Hill at Ray of Hope and Reverend Timothy McDonald at First Iconium. These three names are big names in Atlanta clergy and Atlanta politics and Georgia politics. So there was an article in the New York Times a couple of weeks, and uh, Barbara Skinner, Will, William Skinner, who's the co-convener of the National African American Clergy Network, which is about 15 million black churchgoers. Is a Keith? I think that you might be part of that. <laughs> uh, here's what she said: Black black clergy have seen war, militarism, poverty, and racism all connected. Now. Rabbi Peter Berg, who leads the Temple in Midtown, if you're not familiar, the Temple in Midtown is one of the most prominent Jewish synagogues in Atlanta. It was also the synagogue that was bombed uh, during the Civil Rights Movement, um, and it represents a time where the Black community and the Jewish community in Atlanta really connected um, when that occurred. And so Rabbi Berg said this in the New York Times, and I quote, while we all want peace and for this war to end, I was disappointed to see that some faith leaders call for a ceasefire without focusing on bringing the hostages home and holding Hamas accountable for the atrocities they have committed. Then he goes on to say, this is the time to double down on our strong relationships and be open and honest with each other. So if you think about what does this mean for Biden 50% 50, 50 of black adults said they approve of Biden in a December poll. Uh, so that was December of 2023 compared to 2021, 86% of black folks said that they approve of Biden. So if you think about that, if you think about where black folks um, really learn or and really get politically engaged is often in the church. And so if you have black churches across this country and in key battleground states saying, hey, we need you, Biden, to call for a ceasefire, and Biden doesn't do that, to what extent does that impact them in, in, in the 24 election? Don't know, but there, there's a bit of a problem. Now, I think what will probably end up happening is by the time you get to no, who knows what's going to be going on between Israel and Hamas? And by the time we get to October, you know when early voting begins, there's no telling. But maybe these folks 
some of these black clergy will come around and say, you've done a terrible job on issue, this issue, and so we're going to push more for you to actually address issues related to the black community. I, I don't know, but I would imagine there's going to be some tension between getting what they want from the president and the president doing what he feels he needs to do for the greater country. Yeah, it's, it's, that's because you'll have that, plus you'll have the um, actual Palestinians that are pushing back as well. They're saying they're not, they don't even want to talk to the administration until there's yeah. a ceasefire talk. So right. that's two groups of major support that you need that's to right. win. Yeah, and then you've got, you know, the everyone's saying like, oh, Biden's probably going to lose Michigan. Yeah, that's, that's huge, what I'm talking about. Yeah, huge Michigan. Muslim uh, population. Now, I was talking to a friend of mine who's Muslim, who's always been a strong dem, very well educated, very liberal, and she's not saying she's not going to vote for Biden, but she's not doing anything to help get him elected. I'm, and I, and so you have to worry about okay, yes, this person might vote for me, but. The level of apathy means that they're not going to engage in their community in any real way and bring other folks with them to the polls. And, and to me, that is the issue. That's the issue right there. It's, it's the whole apathy thing. It's like, yeah, you want people to stomp for you. People might vote for you because of their common sense, but they're not going to go out here because I can't tell you to do this because I told you to do that last time and we're here. Right. So I'm not even, I don't even want to argue. <laughs> you know, I think that's what it is. It's like. You want to argue with yeah. me? Yeah, I'm not arguing. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't going to argue. Plies. <laughs> Plies. All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. This is all still super, super early. Uh, but I can guarantee you there will be an October surprise related to this. Mm. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing over the weekend was the CPAC 2024 conference, which is this huge, uh, Republican it used to be Republican. Now it's just like right wing. It's not even, it, it's just the new Republican party is like all of the Trump folks, right? It's not Nikki Haley wasn't at CPAC. She wasn't speaking at CPAC, right? It's not her crowd anymore. Um, but I want I want to highlight a clip from Jack Posobiec, who is a big Trump acolyte. He calls in this clip, he calls for the end of democracy. And when he spoke, you know, he, he did this. There was a big uproar. Then the next day he came back to CPAC and he addressed it. And he basically said, I'm not calling for the end of democracy. Democrats are. Uh, but anyway, let's listen to this clip. I want to say, look, welcome to the end of democracy. <laughs> We're here to overthrow it completely. We didn't get all the way there on January 6th, but we will we, we will endeavor to, forget, to get rid of it and replace it with, with this right here. We'll replace it with this right, right. here. Amen. That's what was the fist supposed to represent? Uh, white power is what I took it to. Oh. I mean, I could be wrong, but that was the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that was white power. You know, I was trying to see, was he holding something? I thought something was dangling. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's a fist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy who you hear laugh, that's Steve Bannon. 
who is, <laughs> you know, the mastermind <laughs> behind boy. all of this. My boy, Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. I was like, yo, what the heck? That's crazy. Um, now, I thought this was interesting. Byron Donalds, who is a young black Republican uh, congressman out of Florida, he gave the opening speech at CPAC. And I, and he's a he's a Trump supporter. Byron uh, endorsed Trump early on. I, I see who it is. I'm gonna put his picture up on. Okay. So. And if you remember when Republicans were voting for a speaker, they put they had up. put Byron up, knowing yeah. that he wasn't gonna do it, but they put Byron up. Yeah, um, I do remember him. Yeah. So I thought I was like, okay, that's interesting because I think Byron Donalds could end up being the black Republican leader that Tim Scott wanted to be. Um, and for a number of reasons, just isn't like Byron kind of has like he's got a little swag. Like he's got a little cool factor in a way that Tim Scott just doesn't. Right. Tim Scott the, just comes across as corny. See, I think Tim Scott, what happened with him? He just didn't stand on his two on anything <laughs> because Michael Steele, Colin yeah. Powell, those yeah. are like black Republican men that like. Yeah. To this day, you would still want some of that. That's right. The Byron Donalds, even Tim Scott, he was almost there. But then Trump really showed everybody what your true colors were. And, hell, I I, I like the way Vivek is running behind Trump versus Tim Scott. Yeah. You know, just trying to meet you as an he's equal. He's still a little thirsty, but he's I'm, also I'm standing on his own. I'm trying to meet you as an equal. Yeah. You know, Byron Donalds... I I just don't I just hate the fact that black Republicans just can't be Republicans. They have to have a uh, underline of like undermining the black community. Mm. You know, it's like they just mm. have to let it be known that you know I'm on your side, yeah. President Trump. Even now, though he's he saying did, some crazy stuff. Yeah. No, I will give Byron Donalds credit for actually talking about. Um, he talked about not incarceration, but just like the criminal justice system broadly and said that it was not always fair to black folks. Um, he talked about the importance of two parent household. And he's like, even though, you know, I, I was raised by a single mom and single, single mothers are the, some of the strongest people I know, but he emphasized the importance of kids growing up in a two parent household. So I thought, you know, like that's, about the speech that I would expect yeah, right, maybe. For, from him. I just hate they always say black and crime together. Well. You know, like every black person is a criminal. So anything I do for criminal justice is, is going for, to help you black people. Yeah, because that's right. At some point in time, you got to be a criminal, right? You're black, right? Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. And in the two-parent household thing, I really feel like there's a big gap for black fathers that if the Republican Party, any party really, the Democrats could do it too, but- they don't do it. Um, They're not. Yeah, they don't do it genuinely, genuinely. But whoever wanted to really get black men, if you go to the black fathers who, like, based on CDC numbers, are more involved mm. with their families mm -hmm. and more involved even as a single parent mm -hmm. than parents, uh, two-parent households, there's a big gap for you to say, hey, I'll support y'all. You know who almost did it here in Georgia? And she almost, she didn't get the full push, but... Kelly Stacey? Kelly Loeffler. Oh, did it. Kelly. Yeah, she donated to like a black men's. Oh, group. yeah, I think I heard yeah, about yeah, that, and yeah. people were not crazy about that guy. Yeah, they weren't because because of how you know it looked like it was staged. Yeah. But if you were to just do it genuinely, yeah, I think that I think that was the right. 
And she had those allegations with the uh, COVID money stuff too, you right. know, investing in the stocks and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I think she saw that though. Like that's a yeah. big base that whoever really wants to court black men, you get black fathers and do something for them, pretty sure you can get the vote. I'm trying to think of who I could see doing that in a real authentic way, or at least that feels authentic. Like it, like in Georgia, who could I see? If if Warnock would have came around Georgia and stayed in, you know, yeah. I feel like we got Warnock in and we hadn't seen him since. Huh. Uh, if Warnock was in Georgia a little bit more, you know, he could have did that. Well, he that. preaches almost every Sunday. Eh, we don't see him on the scene in Georgia. Yeah, you don't, know. but yeah. this is a trap okay. museum, but yeah. Ouch. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, okay. Um, another person who had a big speaking role at CPAC was Laura Trump, who is one of the, uh, that's Trump's uh, daughter-in-law. I can't, I think she's married to, she's married to the one with the blonde hair, Eric. She's married okay. to Eric. <laughs> I was like, wait, which one? Um, and she's running to be the co-chair of the RNC. So I'm like, wow. the grift continues. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that was CPAC. Um, CPAC is just, it's it's basically like a right-wing Disneyland. You it know, where it's like, like it. all of the, you know, or right-wing, um, like what's a big music festival? Like Coachella, but yeah. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> That's a good one. But it's all the far right. Um one thing we got to talk about before we go to party poopers and party starters is the South Carolina primary. Keith, I'm sure you've got some thoughts. Uh, Trump came in with 60% of the vote. And Nikki Haley, if I recall, was like 38.8 or something like that. So not quite 40%, but really close. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you have some thoughts, Keith. What, it was good to me. Yeah. Her, was, her, her result. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like 60-40, that sounds about right to me. Yeah. You I mean, know? especially considering the governor of South Carolina endorsed Trump. Both of the senators endorsed Trump. Mm -hmm. Like most of the state house, state reps, yeah, or state senators, like all all of the political of the political class, right, Still endorsed Trump. Trump. I I be I need to see what the numbers are as far as black people. I wanted to know who they voted for more. Was it Nikki or was it Trump yeah. in South Carolina? Because I was glad to see she got 40% because that tells me if something happens and Trump isn't a nominee, then Nikki will be right in there. And that's you know? what she's banking on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's she's banking on, because she said if she's going to stay on till Super Tuesday, which is like March 12th. Yeah, why not? So. And I will stay on past that too because... Anything yeah. can happen, and you might I mean, not be the I, yeah. nominee. I guess as long as your donors are willing to bankroll you. That too. That too. I just, you know, I just don't like any of the options. <laughs> At all. You and a lot of people. Just, Which makes me wonder, I, I don't, I see this more likely to happen on the Democratic side, but what if we end up having a convention on both sides where the convention actually picks the nominee? I would love Or like that. something happens with... Trump and something happens with Biden. I would, I would love it, and if that happens, I think it would sway more to to the Democrats to win. Yeah, like that that would be the smartest thing for them to do. Because like, isn't the convention like two months before 
three months yes. before. Like yeah. you don't have that much you don't time. Have that a lot of time in between saying, "Hey, I'm the new nominee." Into right? Voting. Yeah, I want to say it's like August. Yeah. So yeah, like that'd that. be perfect. Now, because if the Republicans did it, then you will lose all your momentum. Right. You know, like with Trump, Democrats did it. We all been not wanting Trump and not wanting Biden. <laughs> so if you give me somebody else, yeah. Even if, but I don't know because I don't know though. I still wouldn't know me personally. Because if it's, it can be, it could be anybody but Gavin Newsom, and I'll be down. Including I'm, Kamala. Well, Kamala's already. I thought she was VP. I, She's a VP, yeah. I'm but not, that I is. Can, a... I can't do nothing for. I can't do nothing with Kamala either. Nobody from California. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> no okay. Gavin Newsom. No Kamala. If Kamala would have got me, but I can't. Kamala and Biden both have the same issue, which is when you say the word black, we remember. <laughs> you mm. know and. Remember Biden saying you're not black if you don't vote for yeah. me. And remember Kamala saying I'm not doing nothing specifically for black people. No. Mm. So, you know. So we, what's the beef with Gavin Newsom? The whole reparations two step that he did in Cali, like they were down, and then and then there was a lot of backlash. Uh, and they, not just the backlash, like you see what they're trying to lay out as reparations, and once again, it's more criminal justice reform, and it's mm. like so that's. That's how you see black people. Uh, I can't, I, me personally, I can't rock with that. The Bruce's Beach, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you gave it back, but the stipulations was we'll give it back, but you can't make a beach. Here. Right. You got to sell it back. You know, so all, yeah. all this underhanded stuff, I, I'm i not going to settle, you know, mm-hmm. me personally. That's This is a personal thing. But I know on the grand scheme of things, if you put either one of them up instead of Biden, yeah, they'll yeah, have a lot of people lined up to vote for them, you know. And I wouldn't be the one to stand up and go against them. Yeah. You know what I'm I saying? Get that. So I feel like that'd be the smartest thing for the Democrats. Stupidest thing for the Republicans, though. Like, the Republicans want to win, you got to keep Trump in. There's no other Republican. Because there's no Republican that nobody else on their side wants. Likes, yeah. You know, like, there yeah, might be some right. people on the outside of the Republican Party that somebody like me that's looking on the outside, like, oh, yeah. I would go if I have a good candidate. But on the inside, they want Trump. Everybody's down with Trump. Even if you ran, you dropped out and you got behind Trump. Right. Nikki's the only person who didn't, right? Yep. Like besides the ones who already were against Trump. Right. Tim Scott, Vivek, yeah. Ron DeSantis. I mean, Mike, yeah, Mike Pence is one of the only ones who is also not he just hasn't said anything. He just, he just, got just quiet. faded to Yeah, he just got black. quiet yeah. on him. So that's what I'm saying. See, like the Republicans, they just and Chris Christie yeah, also they, they'll lose. They'll lose if they did that. They if, if the Republicans want the presidency, unfortunately, we got to keep Trump right now. This is where they're at with it. So Trump all the way to the House. They're well, rolling, they're rolling well, out that's all the way. Hope not. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's <laughs> that's how they see it. That's, yeah, no, I, I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, because if you think, but even still. Okay, so if there's a third of the Republican Party who doesn't want Trump on November, when they go vote, they're so and loyal. And between though. if it's between Biden and Trump, they're going to pick Trump. Or do they do like what they did with Herschel Walker? Is the presidency is too uh, big for the Republicans? I'm not. I can't. I can't do it. Remember Jeff Duncan? Nah. Where he's like. I got to the voting booth and I just couldn't pull the trigger and vote for Herschel. Nah, because I'm telling you, they they're too loyal on yeah. that side. The presidency is too big, and Trump. Well, they're gonna think bigger, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not Trump; it's the judges that he's picking. It's not Trump; it's the policies that and, I want. And they already got the judges working for him, and in that's their favor. where Democrats screw up. 
because they don't do that. Well, they don't do it or when they have the power, they don't see the play. That's a lot we, of it too. We've talked about Although RBG Biden before. Biden has not Supreme Court, but down you know, down the judicial system, Biden has put forth more more judges than anyone. Yeah, he, he's got but, he's got more judges approved to, than Trump did. But what you have to do is show that those judges are working in the favor of the party and the people, and those judges still don't. See, we can point to Trump judges and see them rolling things back, voting against things, knocking things down. We don't see Biden judges upholding things and putting things back in place and. Nah, we don't see that. You know, mm-hmm. we just see a bunch of symbolism. Like, oh, there's another black one. Black woman. Hey. <laughs> you know, when I was hearing like, well, they try to push this yeah. on this side of Republicans, but this judge struck it down. And if Biden didn't put that judge in place, then this county would have been restructured. And we need to hear those stories. Well, yeah. We don't get none but of those But it's also- I We mean, hear about Alabama yeah, but freezing to the A's. Right. But that's, that's, a con- that's a Republican state. So. That's what I'm saying. But, yeah, the whole but the IVF Democrats thing. could show me like, hey, this is a, a judge we appointed, and they did this positive for the community. Yeah, that's something that the Republicans would have never done. They don't have that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, it really feels like, from a policy standpoint, Republicans are trying to shape two Americas, a liberal America. So if you want to, if you want to go do IVF, you go do that. You go move to a liberal state. Yeah. Right. And then I, if I don't believe in IV, IVF, I'm going to stay in Alabama or some other conservative state. And it's like, the, this is problematic. Like, I don't think we realize yet how problematic that mindset is. No, and, and that's, and all in all, I think that's why we're always so apathetic about politics. Because I will be hard-pressed to believe that only the Republicans think about the future. And nobody, none of the liberals, none of the progressives see a 20, 30, 40, 50-year plan. You can't tell me that. It sounds like to me that they got to be in cahoots. That's just, that's mm. the, that's just the general con- consensus. It's like, okay, they got to be in cahoots if they want two Americas and they're fighting hard for it. Hard. And this side and is this side's not-, not doing anything to fight. And the fighters they used to have yeah. are just... Rolling right back in with the right. establishment. Like, I'm at least expecting to hear AOC say something. Oh, no, I'm with nah. Biden, too. Huh? AOC's been mad quiet. You get, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So all of that, it sounds like cahoots. It just sounds like cahoots. And anytime there is some type of, uh, I guess we're coming up on the Democratic side, the Democrats shoot themselves in the foot. That's we true. had the House, Senate, and Presidency. We had enough to get enough done, put things in place that we know there's a 20-year plan on this side. Let's go ahead and put some things yeah. in place to let's go just vote it in. Just vote it in. Yes, 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 yes. They can knock it down when they get here, but let them fight to knock it down. We didn't do any of that. And what we did do, it looks like it's coming back to bite you in the butt because some of those people can't even vote. The ones that y'all did a lot of this stuff for, a lot of this mm-hmm. money that you're sending overseas, you know, a lot of foreign aid. Mm-hmm. Can we get some domestic aid? You know, and domestic aid for, you know, black folks. I, I'm not. I wasn't going to say that. Oh. I was going to say for United States citizens. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying not the asylum seekers, the seekers, because we understand we did a whole pod on it. We not, we know right. what to call them. But I'm talking about American citizens that's paying taxes. 
can some of that domestic aid trickle down? You know, can we get some of those housing vouchers, you know, some of the food mm-hmm. vouchers? Can we, here in Atlanta, can we open up some of our shelters that were closed down? Mm-hmm. You know, because when they get here, if they get here, when they get here, we know they're going to find money. And all of a sudden, these shelters are right back open. And as a citizen, see, this is beyond black at this point. I've heard just everybody. There, there are Asian American citizens protesting this stuff. Yeah. You know, so at this point, the Democrats really have to show that they really want to support their constituents. And I don't care what anybody says about a Republican. If you sign up to be a Republican, your issue will be heard, addressed, and it might even come to fruition. Right. You know, that's why you see even Democrats switching, you know, and coming to the Republican side because it's like, hey, this is my single issue. And, okay, let's get let's throw that on the board, too. We'll, we'll figure all that out. Everything except for reparations so far. Mm. You know, but I feel like we can get that in there, too. The people decided to say the Republicans wouldn't do it, but I don't know. I'm trying to imagine Georgia Republicans voting for it any type of reparations for black folks. You don't have to, I think what happens is you don't have to call it reparations. I think that's the hang up. It's like Obamacare. You know, everybody's for Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Everybody's for healthcare. You call it Obamacare, I don't want it. You know, you call it reparations, I'm gonna vote against it. But if you call it an economic plan that da 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 and somehow all the language seems like oh it's going to this group of people but the end result is going to lift the economics in the state. In the state, people like money. I don't know, man. Because I think of like all these anti DEI folks, like the uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I listen. I'm with some of that too. Like some of that DEI doesn't work for me as a black person either. You know, affirmative action didn't work for a bunch of black people either. It wasn't affirmative action, but it worked for a lot of black people. Not as many as it. With it being gone, you don't hear. Black people complaining about affirmative action being gone. You actually hear the people who fight against it <laughs> and Asian people. Like, it's two sets of people who fight against it. And now, like, oh, we kind of didn't need it back because we can't get into school no more. A lot of white women are losing opportunities that came from affirmative action. I don't hear too many black people mm. crying about it. Mm. Well, all of that was about the South Carolina primary results. <laughs> yes, yes. The South Carolina, you know, as South Carolina goes, I feel like the country goes. So goes, goes. the country. Mm. Since the Civil War. Well, <laughs> we will see. We will see. Um, let's go to party poopers and party starters. So this is easy, easy party pooper. When I saw this pop up on my phone, I was like, This is the dumbest thing ever. It's crazy. The Texas Supreme Court ruled that a black teenager who wears dreadlocks um, would have to indeed do whatever his school wants him to do as far as changing his hair and that it's not protected under the Crown Act because ultimately it is up to the school to determine uh, the code for their students. And so I don't know if the school is telling him that he needs to completely shave his his head or if he needs to cut his dreads very short. I'm not sure which it is. Yeah, so their issue was the length because they do have some students that do have a lot, but their specific thing was length. So I don't think they want him to cut it all off. I think they just want him to cut some of it, but any of it. Because if 
I'll, I'll put the picture up so that people see on the video. If you see how his hair is, it's wrapped it's up like in tucked, the, it's yeah. tucked. It's not even touching his neck. And I'm very interested to see everybody's hair at that school. Right. To see how long it is. Because I know, I know <laughs> there's some long hair in that school. Yeah. I know there is. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I just, I don't know. It It just seems like of all the things that we can be worried about right now with kids, this is not it. The length of a kid's dreads, that is not it. That part and, you know, kind of piggybacking off what we just talked about. You know, another one of those issues that, you know, would show face yeah. that Democrats come out in strong right. force yeah. to say, hey, you already passed this law. This right. is a legal law. In the and why books. is this always a thing? Like, it's is always black kids in their hair. I, I haven't heard about this with any other race. And it's always, and it's crazy because it's like his hair, you don't just pop up with locks one day. They right. grow. Yeah. So it's like, time. are you watching him? And it's like, oh, ah, let me grow. We got yeah. you. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Or, or could we have not been warned? Like, hey, you know, if your hair keeps growing, you know, we can't go past this point. You know, like something. And if I'm always, it, it's just, is this too much? Is this yeah. too much just for hair when it's like, right. I could be We've suspended for so many things. things. About. Yes, it's so it's so crazy. Yeah, man. So now he's been suspended and not been able to go to school in Texas, and they also cited affirmative action. What? As part of the reason why, because they said affirmative action has been struck down, so they feel like the Crown Act will eventually be struck down too. So wow, goes hand in hand, you know. Ridiculous. Um, sort of related, a party starter um, is the mayor of Birmingham, Randall Woodfin, who posted on social media a couple days ago. He said, and I quote, to the parents of minority athletes who are helping their children decide if they want to play sports at Alabama institutions, would you be cool with your child playing at schools where diversity among staff is actively being discouraged? Although I'm the biggest Bama fan, I have no problem organizing black parents and athletes to attend other institutions outside the state where diversity and inclusion are prioritized. If supporting inclusion becomes illegal in the state of Alabama, hell, you might as well stand in front of the school door like Governor Wallace. Man, it's Black History Month. Y'all could have at least waited until March 1st. So he's talking about... I don't know to what extent um, affirmative action was part of it, but around diversity and inclusion um, and efforts within, I guess, the Alabama General Assembly mm. to pull uh, diversity and inclusion within state institutions, which would include colleges and universities. And so Randall, as the mayor of Birmingham, is, is saying, look, I'm a, I'm a young black man, but... I'd rather y'all go to an institution outside of Alabama. This is what we're going to do. <sighs> that was a long pause. I, I don't know, man. It's, it, you know, it always boils down to, to this. To, it boils down to something very simple. And, you know, I forgot how the how the saying goes, but you know the saying about you know when they came for the red hats, I said yeah, nothing. Yeah. When they came, I said nothing. I feel like all of this DEI crying 
mm-hmm. right? The, oh, this ain't having that. Because at the end of the day, nobody deals with the original issue of America. Like, we've had so many prominent people. We have presidents even mentioned. Didn't Bill Clinton apologize for slavery, even though it wasn't supposed to be Maybe. an official? But we've one of the presidents did it. I, mm-hmm. I remember Barack talked about it like... There's been senators talk, talking about it. Like, slavery was a real thing. Jim Crow was a real thing. Redlining is a real thing. All, affirmative action came about because of discrimination, right? But, and it's crazy, but Clarence Thomas said it in his dissent about affirmative action, though. What has happened is that a lot of this stuff has been perverted to somehow include every minority every other, that yes. comes into America, but we've never dealt with the original issue. Right. And since we haven't, we can keep on stripping away every little bit of gain that we get to until it gets right back to the root, right? Which is them come down on black people. And like they said, hey, if the state is going to pass this kind of law and refuse funding, then okay, we'll have to fight and protest again. But this time in 2024, fighting and protesting looks totally different. We have a lot more people here. And I you think know, that's what he was pointing at is okay, black parent, if the University of Alabama or some other Alabama institution isn't willing to to make sure that uh, black faculty, black students, black, black athletes mm-hmm. have a fair shake, then don't go there. But my thing is, this is a time where you don't say black. This is a time where you say black and brown. This is a time where you say, hey, minority parents, minority students, because... Like I said, they always want to boil it back down to black, but we need more than black people to fight this fight. We need, listen, at this point, if you're an Asian student that goes to that school, parents, pull your kids out. Latino, yeah, pull your kids sure. out. Handicapped. I get that. Woman, like yeah. any minority that's on that DEI list, you pull your kids and let that institution be what it wants to be. And let's see if it really survives because it won't. You know, yeah. like. The spice of America, what kind of keeps us going is the fact that we all are different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's kind of like what you see on the labor front where they're like, you don't cross the picket line. Yeah. Like, no matter what. Yeah, and that's, that's right? basically what I'm saying. I mean, that's what, when the, the SAG actors were striking in LA, they would say, like, oh, this hotel is a union hotel. Like, mm-hmm. this one's okay. Mm-hmm. This hotel is not a union hotel. Pull your reservation. Exactly. No matter what. But it's so deep that. Yeah. In America, if I do say I'm a minority, I could be like Nikki Haley's people and choose at that point, right? I could fight with the black people or I can just decide to slide in with Caucasians or I can even push it to the Supreme Court to have me legally recognized as Caucasian so I can get some of them benefits. All of this stuff is on the books. So I'm not surprised when these DEI things are happening because we never solidified anything. You know, like, there's nothing that ever been fixed for black people. So why would it be fixed for any other minority? Do you know? It's like a house of cards. Mm. You know? Tis fair. Yeah. Well. So let them back in school. And I did see they let one kid back in school in 2020 uh, in Texas that sued for the same thing. It's been about a couple kids suing for the same thing. And they only was able to go back to school just off of a judge injunction. But the lawsuits are still pending. So... I think after they ruled on this one, those other lawsuits might go ahead and... I'm telling y'all, Texas Supreme Court, there are other more important things to care about 
the school system, there are other more important things to care about. Like your power group. Can these kids, do these kids have a future? Are they oh. clear about what they're going to do once they graduate? Well, listen, what that little boy have been running a 4-4, four, 4-1? Four, four, oh, he would have been. Carrying he'd be, that back. Yeah, he yeah he'd be, be okay. He'd been playing for the University of Texas. They would have pushed them all through. You know what I'm saying? Like, as many brothers yeah. I see in the league playing for Texas with locks. Right. Come on. Right. <laughs> they, you just got to pick up that football player. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. That is today's show. By the way, early voting is underway for the presidential primary. Word. Word. So <laughs> if you are Republican, you can vote for Nikki Haley or Trump. Or someone, someone else. You can write in someone else. If you are a Democrat, on that ballot is Biden and, uh, oh, man, what's the dude's name? The white guy. Nate something. Oh, Marianne is that on there? Marianne is on there, but she dropped out. Oh, Dean, she did. Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips. He's the other candidate. Mm. Um, and then in May, you'll vote for in the primary for your local races. So state house, state senate, mm. your sheriff, your district attorney. So oh, those yeah. are all in May. So a couple more months and then you'll see in March uh, and coming up in two weeks is qualifying. So we'll find out who are the candidates qualifying for all those positions I just mentioned, all your state house, your state senate, your local, your county. We'll see who's on the ballot at that point. Then that's when the ads. Oh, the yeah. Oh, start. get ready. As soon as the session is over, it's going to be a madhouse. <laughs> ads galore, events, fundraisers. They're going to be knocking on your door, all of that. Mm-mm-mm. Stuff in the mail, text messages, robocalls. Podcasts. Podcasts, <laughs> all of that. All right, y'all. As always, thank you for rocking with us. Until next time.